Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. the Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who have experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week, we are talking about support groups. My name is Emily Mitchell. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center. With me today, we have Savannah Parvu. Savannah uses she, her pronouns and routinely shares her experiences with the public to grow knowledge of the tragic issue of familial trafficking within the commercial sex trafficking arena. She is a nationally recognized speaker on the subject and has become one of the foremost voices on human trafficking at the state capitol. Savannah, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And I also have joining us Tiffany Gutierrez. Tiffany uses she, her pronouns and earned her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling from Argosy University in Dallas, Texas, and is a registered intern in the state of Florida. Her passion for working with individuals affected by trauma began when she interned at the Collin County Rape Crisis Center as both an advocate and counselor. Since moving to Florida, Tiffany has continued to work with individuals in private practice, as well as working with children in the Seminole County public school system. Tiffany aspires to obtain full licensure as a mental health counselor from the state of Florida in order to continue her work with survivors of traumatic events and better serve the community. Tiffany, thank you so much for being here as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I'm really excited to have this really important conversation with you both. As a very brief introduction, the Victim Service Center of Central Florida offers free and confidential one-on-one counseling and therapy to survivors of any trauma, like we have mentioned many times before on this podcast. (laughs) But in addition to that, the VSC has support groups for survivors of sexual violence. And according to an academic journal titled Surviving Sexual Violence, A Guide to Recovery and Empowerment by Leach and Littlefield uh, that came out in uh, 2011, research shows that social support can help to buffer some of the stress that sexual trauma can cause. So in this episode, we are looking to explore what a support group is, what it is like to be in a support group and its benefits, the different groups that the VSC holds, and virtual support groups during COVID-19. So with that, Tiffany, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what a support group is, and is it different from group therapy? 
Yeah, so that's a great question to start this whole um, podcast off with. So a support group is a safe space where clients who have similar past or current experiences can get together and gain emotional support from each other. So topics of discussion typically revolve around the client's current struggles. Um, So for example, in our support groups at VSC, everyone shares in common that they are a survivor of sexual violence. And the typical things clients bring up during our support groups are asking each other about ideas or strategies on how to implement healthy coping skills and self-care when they feel triggered, um, expressing feelings around going through the criminal justice process, how to engage with family members and friends about how they can best support them, and sometimes how to implement boundaries with family members and friends, because while they may have the best intentions, they can be um, triggering for our clients when, when they talk to them about their, their experience or their assault. Um, support groups are typically open to anyone who's appropriate, interested, and ready to participate in that environment. Um, and when I say open, I mean that new members can always join at any time. Um, so they differ from support groups in that therapy groups, support groups are similar to individual therapy where clients are invited to explore and engage with each other more in depth about their feelings. So clients who are invited to a therapy group have a good foundation in healthy coping skills and self-care, and they can manage digging deeper into their feelings during a group. Um, These groups are typically closed, which means they are by invitation only. Um, It asks that all members commit to the length of the group, which could be anywhere from six to eight weeks, maybe more depending on the type of processing group it is. And no new members are invited to join. And the purpose of that is to build a small support group of people who can build rapport with each other and create a safe space to start and end their journey of processing together. Um, I do want to make note that it's important to, to recognize that both groups can trigger any of the participants, whether it's a support group or a therapy group. And we do have in place some group rules um, to help alleviate or minimize that as much as possible. And that group rule is to not share details of your trauma. Um, You never know where anyone else is at in their healing journey. And so that's a way to protect that as much as possible. But if someone is triggered during the group, um, the facilitators have in place some means to, you know, work with that person on the side and let them return back to the group or end. And we encourage all of our clients to reach out to their individual advocate or therapist if they ever do feel triggered during a group so they can have an opportunity to process that. That makes a lot of sense. And thank you for breaking down the difference between group therapy and support groups. It sounds like group therapy is, um, in a sense, a start and finish kind of holistic way of therapy. It's just with a group, just like you would be one-on-one with your therapist and you might have, you know, so many weeks together, though the VSC, of course, doesn't have caps on those services. But it makes sense that there's like a start and a finish where support groups, you can come in at any time and 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 share your, not with too many details, maybe your experience in general, perhaps? Yeah, exactly. So support groups are maybe something that someone's struggling with. Um, like I said, lots of people ask each other, like, well, what are things that you do when you feel triggered? Like, maybe you can give me some tips and ideas on things that have worked for you. Um, Healthy coping skills are very unique in that what works for one person may not work for another and vice versa. And just sharing those ideas about how 
how to get through triggers or having a difficult conversation with a family member or friend. Um, those are topics that are brought up typically in support group, our support groups. Got it. Got it. I love that. And Savannah, I wanted to ask you, can you share a bit about your experience participating in support groups? Yeah, I started going to support group um, not long after I started going to individual therapy. And my therapist wanted me to go and I was against it because I didn't want anybody else to know what had happened to me. Um, but I agreed to go to three times, three times at least. And I went in the first couple times, I didn't talk at all. I just observed. Um, but then that those three sessions ended up being to me, being me attending for over a year. And it ended up being one of the biggest parts of my healing journey because I found that everything that I felt was wrong with me for so long was normal for what I had gone through. And the people from the support group are still some of my close friends today. And so it ended up being a very positive thing for me. Thanks so much for sharing that experience with us. That sounds like a wonderful um, reason why people should join support groups. Even it sounds like it was really impactful on your healing journey. And we'll talk a little bit more about some more of those benefits too. A little, a little later down. Tiffany, I know that the VSC has a few different support groups. Would you be able to speak about them individually? Like, what are the support groups that the VSC uh, offers? So currently, the groups that we're offering are all specific to survivors of sexual violence. Um, we do have a women's support group, a men's support group, a mixed gender support group, Rainbow Resilience, which is a support group for members of the LGBTQ plus community, a Spanish-speaking women's support group, and a Black and African-American women's support group. That's amazing. I, I love, and I, I know that there's new support groups that are coming up all the time with the VSC too. So, so I think our newest one is the Black Survivors Support Group. Is that right? Yes, that is our newest group. Okay, got it. Yeah, so, so that's wonderful that not only can survivors come together as survivors of sexual violence, but also within specific groups, too. Do you have experience leading support groups, uh, Tiffany? And if so, what is that like? Yeah, so I currently co-facilitate one of the monthly women support group, and I absolutely love it. Um, I've always really enjoyed facilitating groups because groups are so unique to a person's healing journey. And it offers something that individual counseling can't. So support groups or therapy groups are really supplemental to individual counseling. Um, and I get to see firsthand how groups can essentially accelerate the healing journey for a lot of people. Um, kind of to go off what Savannah had said a little bit um, before in terms of she really found it helpful um, going through, you know, participating in the groups for over a year, it sounds like. And it really helped her on her healing journey. Um, I hear so many clients say that that's what they enjoy most about the group is the ability to share their current struggles with each other without having to share their whole story. So they feel safe to be themselves and not censor themselves or censor what they talk about in group. And just knowing that alone um, can help our clients have the support of other members. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that you know, with um, with sexual trauma in general, there's a lot of alienation and victim blaming. And it 
it must be really powerful for survivors to come together and share coping strategies and that, like you were saying, Savannah, that a lot of what you were feeling um, is normal after going through trauma. That must be really powerful. Uh, Tiffany, I also wanted to ask, you have experience working at a different rape crisis center. So did they also have support groups? And if so, were they different in the setup or the way they were organized compared to support groups at the VSC? Um, a little. So at the rape crisis center that I was previously at, we did have support groups and therapy groups. Um, the support group we had, though, was geared towards more of a psychoeducational group around coping skills. So this group was also open um, where new members could join at any time and participate given their schedules. Um, just to give a little context on what a psychoeducational group is, um, it's a group where the facilitators focus on teaching the group something specific and have the group participate in the new skill or activity together as a group or individually for the majority of the designated time. And then open up the floor to participants to reflect on the topic or activity and what it was like for them, how it felt during or after the activity. Give them an opportunity to ask any questions about how to implement these skills in real life and gain feedback from others who maybe have that experience with that particular topic or skill. These kinds of groups can also supplement the healing journey for or because, for example, in this coping skills group that I co-facilitated. Um, we had participants who would discover something about themselves while working on the activity and then share with their individual counselor the next time they met with them for that experience and, and what it was like for them to participate. And it would allow for them to engage and dig a little bit deeper during their next counseling session. And maybe they wouldn't have had that experience otherwise if it wasn't for participating in the group setting and working on that coping skill. Got it. That's fantastic. So it sounds like maybe... Is there like a structure to support groups generally? Is there like a typical topic every time you meet? Um, or are the support groups just in general, just an open platform for survivors to share uh, whatever they'd like? So for the coping skills support group that I co-facilitated at the other rape crisis center, it was very specific. So every time we met, we would talk about a different healthy coping skill or participate in like an art activity. Um, with our support groups at VSC, we don't have any specific agenda. It's really just an open forum for survivors to talk about what may be going on in their current life at that moment and get feedback and support from each other. Got it, got it. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. Savannah, I wanted to ask you, you know, what are the benefits to support groups, you know, what benefits do support groups or peer support have for survivors of sexual violence specifically? And how are their benefits maybe different from individual therapy, for example? I think one of the biggest benefits is just being around people who can relate to you and who they may not have experienced the same exact as you, but they've experienced similar and they can relate to you in a way that nobody else can. Um, and like with therapy, you have a therapist who helps you, but they may not have experienced what you have. And so it just helps being with people who have experienced something similar and seeing how, what works for them, um, because something that's helped them might help you too. 
Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. And I love hearing that you're still friends and really close with the survive, other survivors that you met at the support groups. I wanted to ask, do you think every survivor of sexual violence would benefit from a support group? I think they might be able to benefit in some way. Um, as Tiffany mentioned earlier, it can be triggering. So I think maybe not right at the beginning, support group might not be best for some people, but I think eventually be, having some type of support group can be beneficial for anybody. Absolutely. It sounds like there's a sense of like community as well, where maybe you would not get that experience one-on-one with a therapist, like you were mentioning. It seems like even support groups, I should say, even add to your individual therapy sessions as well. Cause like you were mentioning earlier, Tiffany, that there were some coping strategies that they might not have thought of, but since related with another survivor through a support group, they were able to bring that and work on that in, in individual sessions as well. So it almost seems like that they work together in tandem almost. Do you find that is the case Savannah? Um, from your experience or from, you know, talking with other survivors? Yeah, um, I think most of us went to individual therapy as well as support group. And it helped, like, and it was also good because if, for those of us who needed more um, therapy, like support group was an additional thing we had to look forward to during the week um, in between therapy sessions too. I love that you said look forward to it seems it's a nice way to connect with other people who have gone through similar experiences. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. Tiffany, the VSE, like we mentioned before, has a lot of different support groups with some tailored to specific audiences, like we mentioned, um, such as uh, black survivors, men, the LGBTQ plus community, women. What is the benefit of attending a group that is meant for a specific population over one that is more general to everyone? So I think the benefit of attending a group that is set up for a specific population is the idea and sense of safety, belonging, and mutual understanding. Um, the topics brought up in our support and therapy groups are already very difficult to talk about. And I think putting yourself out there and being so vulnerable can just be intimidating. Um, I think if you know you're coming to a space where everyone in your group already just gets it, to go back to what Savannah was saying before, too, in terms of, you know, she felt really safe to talk about common experiences and she didn't feel so alone. And, and even looking forward to having that because she's right. You know, if you're in an individual counseling session, you don't know your counselor's experience and it's it's an it's your session. You know, it's it's not about the counselor and just being in a room um, and around a group of people that you know has a similar experience without knowing the details necessarily of what happened, you automatically can understand and it resonates with you what they're going through and vice versa. Um, I think everyone, of course, is very nervous for their first group, like Savannah said, which is completely normal and valid. Um, but I've had clients express the value of being in a safe space where they don't have to censor themselves. And that connection is so vital to not only the healing journey, but just connecting with others is such a vital part of the human experience. Absolutely. And I actually had a question that I forgot to bring up, Tiffany. Is there an age range for participating in a VSC support group? Yes. So all of our groups are for adults 18 plus. 
Okay, got it. Good to know. And this is this question is for for both of you. Um, so anyone can jump in. Do you believe a survivor has to be in a specific part of their healing journey before attending a support group? So we talked a little bit about perhaps not right in the beginning, since there can be, you know, triggering. However, I wanted to see if there was any other points that you wanted to bring up as far as the what part of the healing journey uh, you think that a survivor should be in before participating? I don't know what exact part of their journey. Um, I think it's different for everybody. Um, but I think they should probably have started working with a therapist um, that can help them with the triggers that come up and because it's different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that answer. And, and of course, you know, healing is not linear. um, So of course, you know, when we think of like a healing journey, we might think of like a road, at least that's kind of what comes to my mind. And we're always like moving forward. But it always it is important to acknowledge that it looks different for everyone. And sometimes it feels like you're, you know, going a little back and a little forward. Um, from what I understand. So so I appreciate that answer is it, it is different for everyone, but it sounds like maybe perhaps starting with, you know, counseling one-on-one first, um, just to maybe have some of those coping strategies on how to um, help uh, ground yourself if you do find yourself triggered. Tiffany, is there anything else you'd like to add on that? Yeah, I mean, you both, I think, had very valid points and, and we're all talking about the same thing. So in terms of readiness, so our support groups are designed for clients at any stage of their healing journey because the topics discussed in the support groups um, can be beneficial to anyone to gain emotional support from others going through the similar experience. Um, And like I said, our support groups are open. So participants can come and go as they please, you know, depending on their schedule, of course, and their level of interest. Um, Whereas our therapy groups are different. Um, Those are closed. Like I said, those are going to be by invitation only. And your advocate or therapist will screen you and make sure that you have a good foundation in those healthy coping skills and self-care. But with our support groups as well, if we have new clients that are interested or maybe initially they're not interested, but they you know, we may bring it up during an individual crisis counseling session or with a therapist during their counseling sessions. Um, the, the idea of, you know, joining um, just to observe maybe initially if, if there's some apprehension, but something to consider before joining a support group, like I said, is appropriateness. And when I say that, I'm talking about our advocates and therapists, we do assessments for our clients. And When I have a client who's interested in group, I let them know the groups that we offer and provide the similar information I provided earlier on what our support groups are and what they can expect for them. I also ask questions about healthy coping skills and self-care that they currently exercise to take care of themselves so I can assess their readiness to to begin group and the potential to become triggered. Um, We do have safety measures or measures that the facilitators have in place to respond to anyone who may be triggered during group. Um, 
like I mentioned before, anyone can be triggered during a group. And it's important for us as the facilitators to know that our clients who are participating can take care of themselves outside of the group. And they can reach out to their advocate or therapist to let them know if they did become triggered and if they need to process that experience during their next individual session. Got it. I appreciate you bringing up, you know, what a survivor might want to consider before joining. And I also had another question for both of you. Are there any common misconceptions surrounding support groups that you would like to address? Um, I would say a common misconception about group, and Savannah kind of talked about earlier too, is that you have to talk or share. So some clients have never participated in a group before, but are curious about it. And I let them know that there's no obligation to share. And if they just want to test out, test it out, um, test out the experience and observe, they're, they're more than welcome to do that. Um, also, this isn't necessarily a misconception, but it's important to note that the group is not for, that group is not for everyone, and it doesn't have to be a part of someone's healing journey. Every survivor's healing journey is subjective to them and not linear, like you said, Emily, earlier. And some people just are not ready or interested, interested excuse me, in participating in groups, and that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all really good points. I love that. Tiffany, you know, I think we have been talking a lot about COVID. I think everyone's talking about it all the time, but it is important to bring up, you know, the VSE and many other agencies are hosting their groups virtually. So you've hosted a few virtual groups, I believe. So what do you see as the pros and cons of this format of group therapy and support groups? So I would say that the pros are that we're able to continue to meet with each other despite the current circumstances. Um, and our survivors have the ability to continue to connect and support with each other right now. It's also beneficial for those who maybe who would have not had the ability to meet in person as a result of, you know, their work schedules or other responsibilities that they have um, that wouldn't allow them to make it to an in-person support group. The cons would definitely have to be missing out on the social aspect and the connection that you just can't get from meeting in person. Um, you know, I, initially it was a little strange for all of us to kind of adapt back in, I think April is when we started offering the virtual groups. Um, and so it was definitely an adjustment, um, but the people that have become regulars and consistently come, I think that they're getting more used to it as we all are with this new way of interacting and meeting with each other. Um, but some of the participants who consistently come you know, they said they miss seeing each other in person and, and have expressed missing the drive home after the group to have to themselves and use that time to decompress or process the group alone before they actually get back home to their family and getting back to, you know, their life. That's a really good point that I didn't think about that. I'm sure after a support group, it might be nice to have that kind of flexion time that um, might be difficult at home, depending on their situation. Uh, Savannah, I wanted to ask you, have you attended any virtual support groups? And if you have, you know, how is that compared to, you know, in person as an attendee? And if you haven't, would you be open to going to a virtual one? I've been part of one um, virtual support group. And it was obviously different than in person. Um, I think it was a little harder to connect with people than in person, um, especially if you don't know the people very well. Um, but it's it's helpful 
the earth I mean it's better than not having anything at all and it also gives provides more opportunity for people who might not have the time to travel but they can hop on for a session um, but it, it's good but it's not the same person that makes a lot of sense Savannah did you do you find that you know on the drive home like those kind of small things that were really beneficial too as like like Tiffany was mentioning yeah um even after like my regular therapy I remember like the drive either home or back to work was always like when I would think about and process everything that we discussed um but it's also good gives um time to decompress and before you go home to your family or whatever you're going to next. Got it. And I know that you only went to one virtual group, but do you think that there's anything that could make it feel more like, like you're more connected? Is there anything that we could do virtually that can help to make you feel more connected with a group? Or do you think that just the, the way that the virtual reality is, is just, uh, we're kind of doing the best we can. Yeah, and that's also going to be different for each person. Like, for me, I don't like all the Zoom stuff and that type of thing, but, like, even with meetings and stuff. But I think a lot of people have found it very beneficial. Got it. And I do love, I do want to highlight what you said where, you know, there's people who wouldn't be able to go to groups before and now they can and I know that peer support space which is one of the um which hosts virtual groups as well a lot of people who moved away from the Orlando area actually were able to tune in so it's kind of this interesting time right now where people are connecting more than ever and also feeling a little less connected because you're not in person so it is kind of a give or take so I appreciate you sharing all of that um, Tiffany, I wanted to ask, are there any challenges to leading a support group? So there can be challenges, um, such as not knowing if someone will be triggered. Um, like I said, it can happen at any time. Um, we try our best to implement things such as assessing for pro appropriateness. Like I said before, um, having the group rule of not bringing up the details of the client's trauma during the group and redirecting if the facilitators think someone may be headed into that direction. Um, another challenge that is valid for anyone leading a support group is asking participants to keep what is said in group stay, staying in group. Because while the facilitators can guarantee confidentiality because of their role, um, we can't guarantee that for the members, for the other members. Um, we do discuss this, though, at the beginning of our group sessions and during that appropriate assessment um, that I spoke about with the advocates and the therapists. And so far, everyone's been very wonderful and respectful of each other's experiences and what they share in group. Got it. It sounds like those ground rules are really important. How is it different from providing individual therapy as a crisis counselor? And is it ever a struggle to balance these two different roles? So group and individual crisis counseling sessions are very different. Um, individual crisis counseling sessions revolve around the client and their individual experience. So the client's free to talk more in depth about their feelings and share more details about their individual experience. 
um, because crisis counseling is so short-termed and really focuses on emotional support and building that foundation of healthy coping skills and self-care to prepare the client for trauma therapy or learning how to manage their triggers if they're not ready for trauma therapy at this time. Where groups are geared towards gaining emotional support from others who have a similar experience and that connection supplementing their healing journey. So I would say the best groups are where the facilitators rarely speak and really let the group run itself. Um, the facilitators typically only jump in to redirect the conversation back on the topic or to avoid someone from sharing details of their trauma. It's really an opportunity for clients to lean on each other for support and learn more about themselves and how to implement others' experiences into their own healing journey. So the group support is so unique in that the group experience provides something that individual counseling can't provide because of the nature of the group experience. Um, something I have to be very mindful of when I'm co-facilitating a group is to remember to gauge my questions or make connections that have the group in mind and not the individual. So for example, someone may say something that my counselor mind may wanna know more about, but I have to stop myself and remember that it's not an individual session for this one specific person, but how can I pose the question or comment so that others who may be feeling or experiencing something similar can feel connected and in turn wanna share or use that experience to understand more about themselves and use it you know, use that opportunity to discuss in their next counseling session to dig a little bit deeper and engage more in their healing journey. That makes a lot of sense to, yeah, it would, I think it would be difficult to kind of not want to delve more deeper into um, an individual, just like you were, you would in an individual session, right? So it makes sense that, you know, kind of bringing it back to the group, just like you would bring it back from, you know, if someone starts delving into their specific trauma, kind of just redirecting it back to kind of the, the group and, and, and making sure that everyone can relate to it again. And, and then they take the reins once more one, one more time. I have a, a question. You mentioned you co-facilitate. So mm -hmm. are all typically, you know, support groups to advocates co-facilitating or... Yes. So, I mean, at our agency, I think all of our groups are, whether it's a support group or a therapy group, I think all of them are co-facilitated. Um, you can, of course, have a group with just one facilitator, um, but we, we just have, we do have co-facilitators. I think that is more for the purpose of our audience and who our group participants are because of the nature of what we're talking about and the likelihood of someone being triggered, where if someone does get triggered, one person, one facilitator can continue with the group and the other facilitator can, I mean, in this virtual way, we have a place for the, the client who was triggered and the other co-facilitator to meet in a private room virtually, or in the case of like a face-to-face -face session, we can walk that person to another room and try to help them, you know, regulate and ground themselves to either return back to the group or, you know, call it a night. Um, so I think that's really the purpose and reason for co-facilitating, um, because that would be really difficult with one facilitator to stop the entire group. Absolutely. And final question here, are all of the support groups that you've been in or that you know of co-facilitated by crisis counselors only? Are there survivors that 
maybe are part of a speakers bureau member or a group or something like that that facilitate support groups at all? Oh, that's actually a really great point. So we do. So the ones that I've mentioned, at least, yes, they are all co-facilitated by our advocates and or therapists. But we do have other groups that are facilitated by um, survivors of sexual violence. Savannah, you do you do facilitate one of those groups? Am I am I correct or? Yeah. Okay. And and Savannah could probably speak to this way more than I can. But yes, um, for example, we have Finding My Hope um, that I think we've coming up for the third time that a lot of survivors find very, very helpful. And those are facilitated by our survivors. Awesome. And Savannah, what's it like to be, um, to facilitate a support group as a survivor? It's been good. Um, it's been really neat for me because I went to support group at VSC. Um, and then that was a big part of my healing journey. And now I'm able to be there for other people. Um, but I know it, it seems to be very helpful for the people that come, um, because we've been where they are and, um, it makes them more comfortable and, um, they're able to see how far we've come and it gives them hope that they can be, they can move forward too. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Uh, Savannah, um, what would you say to a survivor who may be listening that may be hesitant to join a support group? I would say that, like, I didn't want to go to support group either. Um, I didn't want anybody to know what happened to me, but I agreed to go to three sessions and it ended up being the best thing for me. So I would encourage them to go to three sessions and if they don't like it then that maybe it's not for them um but it could end up being one of the best things for them like it was for me i love that idea though of having so it sounds like maybe you know don't just go to one if you're kind of hesitant do you have that three in your mind perhaps would you suggest the same yeah um because if i would have just went to one or two i wouldn't have gone back um but i agreed with my therapist to go to three before I made the decision not to go back. And the third time is when I ended up really liking it. So I think that that's a, that's a wonderful uh, tip there. Um, because yeah, with anything, the first couple times, it doesn't really show the full picture of the experience that you might be having. So I love that, you know, three is a magic number they say. So, so I think <laughs> it, it works for this too. You know, Tiffany, alternatively, what would you say to a crisis counselor or rape crisis center that might be hesitant to run or create support groups for sexual assault victims and survivors? So I know everyone is so different and many counselors don't enjoy running groups and that's okay. Um, We all have unique gifts and interests and it's great because we can all really pursue and specialize in the things or topics we're really passionate about. But for me, I really love and enjoy facilitating groups because I love seeing how the participants come together to support each other and how it can really, like I said over and over again, just supplement a client's healing journey. Groups are such an important part of a survivor's healing journey if the survivor's feeling really isolated and wanting to connect with others. So I think having that option for them to participate, even if they just observe initially, it can really empower them like it did for Savannah to decide if the group is right for them now or if at all. 
and help with those feelings of isolation. Absolutely. And I think that is um, even more important right now during such a time where, where we're feeling kind of isolated. So yeah, I think that's a wonderful place to sign off. So I just wanted to thank the listener for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSC is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. And to everyone listening, healing is not linear and you are not alone. And thank you so, so much, Savannah and Tiffany, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.